Hallihallo. Welcome to Uva Ball Raw USA. I'm Gary Otto. We're with Dr. Uva Ball. How are you? I'm good in the shitty weather in Germany, but uh, I'm good. Very busy with the uh, prep for the New York shoot. And it's a lot of work hiring the crew. What we learn now the hard way right now is uh, New York good crew people are way more expensive as LA, Vancouver or German crew people. What is surprising, but maybe it's not so surprising because New York also, I think, went through the roof in costs of living. Oh, and, yeah. 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 And so you get you get good talent. You get a lot of actors uh, still not ready to release the names. I, I want to on the podcast podcast to say who plays in it when you have like three, four names. And yeah. right now we have two, so we but we're adding people on. Um, well, this we, is good. This is a good. We're in a good steady pace. Mm-hmm. But it's very tough in regards of, uh, I have to say, with the crew, because you get a lot of crew that are really bad, and they cost them the same like very good crew in Vancouver, and that is kind of pissing me off to be honest, and. Uh, the the as an example, Steadicam operator in Germany, including the Steadicam, is six hundred bucks a day. In Vancouver, it's seven hundred Canadian a day. In New York, thirteen hundred bucks. Hmm. So it's, it's a huge difference, right? So we actually flying already two guys more in from Germany because it it we will save money if we fly them in and put them in an Airbnb. Uh, in comparison to just overpaying paying everybody, and in, in New York also, the people want to want overtime money after ten hours. And film shoots for everybody who shoots films or wants to shoot films, let's say under twelve hours is almost no day. Yeah, no, it's there are long, long days. Yes. So and and you can if you if you're on the hook for after ten hours to play to pay directly overtime, then it's like another. Uh, um, big chunk of money additional to the money they want, right? And in Germany, uh, it's twelve hours flat. You know, so you have like you 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 paid them for twelve hours a day. They don't expect to get any overtime money before basically because you have a lunch break. Basically, thirteen hour days, yeah, are covered, and that is how it should be. You know, so. Yeah, but you said the whole time you want to tell your 9-11 story. So what was this about? Oh, you want to... Because I noticed that you posted something about 9-11 and it, it brought up yeah. the topic. So yeah. I will tell the story. Yeah, it's It really is more about my sister than it is about me. I was in New York and I was going to college. I was going to school. And for some reason, I decided to ride my bicycle back home. I, I decided I got to the train station and then I felt like I didn't want to go to school. So I ended up actually avoiding because one of my school's buildings got destroyed. My college is right down there. Uh, it was one of the buildings that that exploded or whatever. But um, the story is this. My sister used to be she used to work with the police. She used to work um, in internal affairs. Uh, and she worked right across the street from the Twin Towers with police every day. 
So she got out of the subway and the first plane had already hit. Everybody was looking up and she was like, oh, what's going on? And they're like, the first, they said a plane is hit, has hit into the World Trade Center. And she's like, oh, and she thought that it was like, um, their their landing their 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 gear was like off and that it was a mistake right yeah but then suddenly you hear and then that's the second plane hitting uh the twin towers now mind you there was a big line of people lined up for the pay phones because there was like cell phones were a thing back then but they weren't very popular they weren't like they were a new thing so everybody is uh lined up on the cell on the um line to use the payphone and as the plane debris comes down because it came down so quickly all those people got like killed they got split in half uh there was a lot of dust and my sister ran into the police station that was right there and she didn't want to look down because when she did she saw like arms and like part of someone's body a lot of blood was on the ground um there was also uh, a giant wheel which was the landing uh one of the landing wheels of the plane was sitting there on the sidewalk and she did luckily what i would have done which is get the fuck out of there and she she cut her legs on part of the hull of the plane that was sitting there on the ground and um she made her she made her way back to the to the train right before they turned the train off and she got back home because otherwise she would have been on that bridge with everybody else walking for a million miles because they closed off they turned off all the trains but um she made her way home and she contacted us probably about 3 hours later thank god she was safe and uh, a couple months later, I went to visit her and I said, let's take a look at those shoes that you wore that day. And there was like blood caked onto the shoes. She hadn't looked at them. She hadn't touched them. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty it was pretty hard to to exist during that. I know that um, the day after you could smell the you could smell the bodies. I don't know what they did to stop that smell, but. You could smell the bodies all the way to thirty um, fourth Street. You know what I mean, like way far away from where uh, the twin towers were. You could still smell it, and um, I don't know. That's part of the reason why I I left New York. I guess is because it it was so grim after that. It was so depressing, and people's attitudes were really fucked up. Some people were really, you know. Some people kind of manipulated the situation and made it all about them. And uh, also like all the, all the searching of your bags when you go into a store. So they, they were looking for like terrorists and just a lot of crazy shit. People wearing like full gas suits when they're going on the subway. Like after a while, that kind of fucks with your head. I don't know. Not totally. I mean, when I posted, I, I just retwittered that video, what a guy twittered. Um, where the the reporter was just standing there when the first building collapsed. Yes, that's and, what it reminded and, me. Yeah, yeah, and I I cannot imagine that they survived that, right? Because the the building is just coming right there down. Well, they out. they probably they could have survived because there was a lot of smoke when the buildings came down. There was all of this debris, 
and maybe they caught cancer or something. You know what I mean? But I don't yeah. think that they would have been killed. Yeah, maybe they. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It could be, but you never know. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it was a tough situation. It, it was also, for, I think, for all of us, mostly a shocking uh, situation that a terror group could succeed. And if you don't, if you're basically ready to die yourself, there is no protection, right? That, that is the thing. It's like how you want to protect if the other side acts completely irrational uh, and being like basically happy to die uh, for the whatever they want to prove. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. do you fight a foe that uh, doesn't care about their own life? That yes. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to survive yourself, right? It's, it's the ultimate weapon, the ultimate weapon. And normally, like, uh, suicide bombers are all always uh, existing only because of fanatic, uh, fanatic religion. You know, it's just uh, you need to believe that something be beyond your own life has more value as your own life and that you're happy to cut your life short to whatever make a point and i think that is only religion is only able to do that because it's this kind of brainwashing and uh i mean for all of us at least for me uh i believe that when i'm dead i'm dead like yeah evil. so for me my life of course has the highest value from everything the higher value of any money any idea any ideology or whatever i'm not willing to die for an idea or based on a, uh, on a situation. So also, I think one of the reasons, for example, I'm not willing to fight for a country. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it doesn't make any sense for me to fight for a country, whatever, you know, like if I would be a Russian soldier now and, and they would say to me, like, fight in the Ukraine, and then you're like, getting killed there i mean what's yeah that? that's enough of fighting other people's wars yes you know like the, the question the real question is not like we are the usa or we are germany or whatever the cash question has to be like there is no we it's only me being a citizen of a country and i have to follow and laws of that country but i don't necessarily have to give my life for a country yeah you know there has to be another way to figure things out and that that is for every conflict so yeah i don't want to talk too much about the ukraine war this week uh, my german podcast doesn't exist anymore based on it basically you know because i was so big in the fight with with blasberg that oh, german yeah. uh, podcast but I mean, I'm not mad about it. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I was hoping you guys could work it out. That's too bad. Yeah, but it doesn't really, uh, let's say, uh, it doesn't even respond to me anymore. But also a lot of people, uh, we had like 2,000 people following us and listening to us every week, you know, for like over two years. So... I think you owe that people an information. Yeah. You know, like you have to tell them we're not doing it anymore because of, if I wouldn't posted my YouTube video, why we split up or why he doesn't want to show 
or air the last show anymore, um, nobody had, would have any, any information. They would just like, we would vaporize in thin air. And I don't think that is fair to the people. You know, when you see the YouTube commentaries or Twitter where I posted it, and it, it, it's just like, they would all say, uh, like, where the fuck are you guys? And why uh, he can decide alone if the last show gets aired or not. And it's very simple because he tapes it and not me. So he had the material. It's like Overboard Raw. You have the power in a way. You can tape this show now. And if you don't want to put it up, I cannot, I couldn't force you to put it up. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, and that is what he pulled on me. But I think it's highly unfair. Well, I just hope that you guys can remain friends because if he's not responding, that doesn't sound very good. No, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I think he doesn't want to have anything to do with anyone for now. So, and we were not like, let's say, the best friends. He lives far away from me. So, from this point of view, it's all good. But uh, it's kind of disappointing to end it this way. Yeah. You know? And well, I mean, like, look at me and like members of my family. There's some members in my family who are like mega Trump supporter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't get along with them, but I don't like, I don't hate them or something. I don't like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you've got to, you've got to just kind of agree to disagree at some point that other people are going to think differently than you sometimes, you know? Yeah. But I think that, that cannot only count for yourself. It has to count also for the other person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. So if it's now like acting to me, like I'm dead or whatever, or not answering my emails, that is his behavior is not okay. Cause I don't think that your political I ideals uh, reflect on you as a person, as a, in, as an individual. I think that you Uva ball, are completely separate from your political beliefs. Like I don't like suddenly if you were to like, you know, think differently than me, I wouldn't be like, Oh, you're the worst person. There's a lot of people out there who, who, who do that, who like, for example, they heard that you uh, boxed your critics and they think you're a bully. That's a little ridiculous. Those people signed up for it. They knew exactly what they were getting into. You know what I mean? No, but They're, they were the bullies. Because yeah. they were the whole time anonymously hiding uh, uh, and and uh, not presenting facts properly, right? And not they all of them even saw the movie. lied about me. They lied about my career. They lied about the success of my films. They lied about where I get my financing from. They lied about so much things. And all that lies even made it into Wikipedia. And all that lies didn't, didn't uh, got ever corrected. Yeah, you no, know, people to this day still say that you purposely make movies to lose money, which is total yeah. bullshit. Total bullshit, yeah. Total absurd. And uh, we and I never made films to lose money, period. Right? So it's 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 completely uh, absurd to uh, to uh, uh, to yeah. assume this. So also in the US, also in Canada. There was times you could write off film investments from your other income. So, and let's say you, you, you now convince a Wall Street big shot to pay your film 
and your film has two million dollars costs and he writes it off so he gives you the money then he says i've invested two million in that film and here i lost two million right then of course he should get a tax benefit of it but then of course he hopes that the film is a smash hit and makes 10 million dollars back for him and then he will taxes pay taxes on the profits so, and that was exactly the situation with my German investors. They're all invested. And in the year where they invested, they were aware their money got spent. And so they lo losing their money first because you have to shoot the film and pay the bills. So their money is gone. But now the distribution of the movie starts. And of course, everybody hopes that the film's making a, a fortune. Yeah. You know, because then, then you give a shit about a tax benefit for losses. Then you really, really think, great, I'm making money with my movie investment. And that was everybody always tries to make money with their films. And the, the tax benefit is only the kicker. What makes them feel so if I invest two million, I basically get one million back based on my tax benefit that if I do, let's say the movie tanks completely and I don't make $1 back, I write off the 2 million against my taxes. And so overall, after time, I can recoup uh, in, in not paying taxes on my other income. Yeah. And that was destroyed in Canada a long time ago and in Germany 2005, a long time ago also, that they said you cannot account that against your other income. And of course, then nobody invested anymore. It was dead. You know, oh, yeah. if, you know, if you have a rich dentist who makes a million bucks a year, he will not invest in the film if the film tanks and he cannot even write it off. He will not invest, period. Because yeah. then this film is so a high-risk investment. I'm every, whatever, from 20 films, one makes really money. So I'm not doing that. That is absurd. And I'm be be better off buying real estate, better off buying stocks from Berkshire Hathaway or whatever. You know, so it doesn't, so that is the thing. If you want private capital going in films in general, also in the US, you need to allow that, that investments getting written off by the investors. So... And that didn't happen now a long time. So the investments are only getting written off by the big companies now when they make it, like Apple, right? Apple yeah. writes off Apple films every year against the profits of they make with all the other stuff, like the computers and iPhones they sell, because this is where they make the money with. They're not yeah. making any money with the Apple films, but they are allowed to uh, write it down because it's the same company doing it all. Oh. You know, so that because the, the company or Amazon, Amazon makes tons of money in their classical business. You buy something on Amazon, they ship it to you. So Amazon Prime, the film unit, they're not making money. They're not recouping really the money they spend on their TV shows. You know, it's just an add-on, like a distribution promotion ad they put out in their Amazon world, basically. To make it and, seem like you're getting a great deal. Yeah, you, exactly. And we all have Amazon Prime because it's part of like, yeah, you know, you order things on Amazon, so who gives a shit? I have it. It's, it's an easier decision to have Amazon Prime as Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, so it's easier because it's just not like really paying for it because you would pay for shipment from something. So it's basically 
it's a wash. So, oh, Prime is great. I've got it. I yeah, love it. absolutely. You know why not, right? So, and, and but the, but the point is, of course, that the company Amazon can write off every single movie budget they do against their other income. Yeah. So, but why it's not allowed for private people to do the same? You I know? guess because they they're more corporate centric than they are the average guy, yeah. huh? Yeah, I mean, like for example, if Tesla, if Elon Musk would would basically have Tesla films, right, and he would run it through the car company, and then they would hundred percent say, yeah, but you cannot write off the cost to making that films, but. If he would have it exclusively, only if you buy a Tesla, you can watch the Tesla films in the Tesla car. <laughs> That's just an add-on. It adds, then the film cost would be added on to the uh, cost to make the car, right? And boom, you can write off the film costs against the profits you make with selling the car. So, and that is the thing. It's like, so if you're big enough, you still can do movie investments, and write them all down. But if you're like just a rich guy who wants to spend a million bucks on a film, they stop you doing that. And I think that destroys independent films. Yeah. You know, because in the old days, also in Germany, everywhere, it was kind of possible sometimes, as I did it with my funds, uh, to gather investments and everybody put uh, some stuff in. Right. I had a lot of investors, most of my investors, I had in total like around 6,000 investors uh, in the year 2001 to 2005. I run my funds only four years long. And in that four years, I collected in total around 300 million bucks. And in the 300 million bucks were 6,000 investors. The average investor in my fund was 50,000 bucks. 60,000 bucks, 40,000 bucks, uh, 100,000 bucks. I rarely had investors of 400,000, 500,000 or, or higher. And so all of these investors, for all of them, it was impossible to keep investing in films after 2005 because they couldn't write it off anymore. And for them, it was just like this kind of, I want to save some taxes. I invested in the film. If they're coming revenues down the, down the, the road, perfect. But if not, I just write it off this year against my income as an attorney, as a dentist, as a doctor, as a store owner, as a butcher shop owner. So these were my investors. So all of them disappeared, of course, as uh, investors out of the film business. They're yeah. all gone. You couldn't raise money from them anymore. And uh, yeah, and that is sad because for little guys or little producers, it's way harder to find somebody to give you 10 million bucks or 100 million bucks. Or something. It's, it's, it's basically impossible. You yeah, know, the, unless you the, go the really the studios. Rich stay under them. Yeah, then the really rich, they stay under themselves. Yeah. You know, so uh, if, if whatever Bill Gates wants to shoot a movie and he calls Warren Edward Buffett and say, let's shoot a movie for a hundred million bucks, both can smile, shoot the film, write it off. Nobody will stop them doing it. But who has access to this kind of people? Who has access to Amazon uh, giving you 200 million bucks to shoot a show? 
Like, yeah. it, you know, it's tough. It's very tough. Yeah, to get into those, to get your foot in those doors is hard. Yeah. Yes, you know, and 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 so the independent film industry lived a lot from the the little people. Yeah. You know, and a little investors where you gather some money, and a lot of people start making films, of course, with a hundred thousand, with two hundred thousand bucks. Where are they getting that two hundred thousand bucks from? From their parents, from their uncle, whatever. Right. So, and if they cannot write it off anymore, the let's say they're not so enthusiastic giving you a hundred grand. You know, it's very tough to raise even money in your own like uh, family or neighborhood based on uh, now you they cannot write it off at all. It goes straight from their savings into the film and will never be recoupable. Yeah, it's horrible. You know, so. Oh, yeah, but uh, that is what it is, and I have to live with it. But we were talking about that people I box, and I think it's a lot of uh, just like total bullshit. You know, <laughs> a lot of bullshit was out there from the press, uh, 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 things they were just not accurate at all, and uh, you know, and that is uh, uh, it's not okay. I think that they've they've made you into a villain almost. Yeah. Totally. And it's not true. I, I, I think it's funny. I, I think it's funny, but it's not actually funny because people take it seriously. If people got, got the joke and thought it was foolish like it is. Yeah. Um, but look, when I, when I said the best video game based movie ever was Postal. Yeah. And, and then they used it because that was the news about The Last of Us. What is a video game based TV series on HBO and and they said it's the best video game based film series whatever of all times the, the reviews wrote it and then I twittered no it's not post was the best then what was the reaction from the real journalists there were two or three real articles written about it and they were all like making fun out of me saying like I'm an idiot all my films were total flops all my films were completely crap and The Last of Us, uh, uh, how can I even compare it, right? But if you read the Twitter response, you know, or the Facebook response I got, is I got hundreds of responses where the people said, Postal is my favorite film. Yeah. Like, you know, like people love Postal, and Postal is actually an extreme good film and an extreme uh, 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 cult film and has a huge following. Yes, it does. So yeah, it has it has at least 20, 30 million people watch postal. Yeah, maybe on YouTube or maybe illegal, whatever. But the fact is that when I go to a convention or I ask whatever people coming to me and want something to sign, like they mostly come with postal or rampage one DVDs and want that signed. So Rampage One and Postal are the biggest cult films I made, have the biggest following even way more as in the name of the king with Jason Stassim and big stars. It's yeah. true, right? And when you look, then Natalie always follows that up. When you look, what is the film where people still talk the most about? It's still House of the Dead. But that, I think, has to do with that video game-based community. It has to do with House of the Dead uh, is as a game and as a film has, has a huge following uh, and people discussing it. But I think the clearly 
the films with the, the biggest fan following or the films who created real ball fans were Rampage and Post. And so, and here's the thing, I'm watching The Last of Us right now and it's very, very good. It's very good and is, is definitely way deeper and better as all the video game based productions. But the video game based productions normally are just 95 minutes long action films. And The Last of Us is a very well-made drama about the end of the world, but it's basically a zombie walking dead kind of thing. But this time it's not zombies or it is zombies, but they're all zombies, not because they got bitten by a zombie. They are zombies because a fungus took yeah. them over and replaced their inner organs with the fungus. So, and it's a zombie film basically so but it's good acted it's well made it has a huge budget whatever and it's a great thing i would say 100 percent the best sort video game thing ever even if silent hill one was good you know there were a few others that were good too but you cannot compare a tv series with individual films that's the first thing and second why i still would say to all the journalists who wrote that articles about it shut up and watch postal don't only write about Postal that it failed in the movie theater. So you remember when it came out that they refused to play it because it was politically incorrect. It was hard I, as fuck to get that in the theater. I, yes. I called like fucking 200 theaters or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was very tough. And a lot of people, a lot of theaters booked it and then they sorted it out that they didn't want to show it, whatever, right? But the point was that should be for a reviewer, for a journalist, that should be a good sign. That should be like, wow, wait, what is that movie doing? What hurts people or where people getting like, oh, that is politically incorrect. I maybe shouldn't show it, right? So that is the question they should ask themselves. And they should actually give it a shot and they should actually watch it like the other 25 million people who watched it. So, and that is the thing what, what is pissing me off. That Postal never got a fair shot to get really reviewed by journalists they're or, just writing about it without knowing it they watched the trailer and made their mind up postal is one of the deepest political incorrect satires ever filmed yes yeah you know postal is in in reality in film history on like uh like catch 22 dr strange love this kind of political power and background thought went into postal so, and that is what, if they want it or not, if they want to listen to it or not, then uh, uh, they, 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 they don't get it, you know, but they're talking to people like, like you, me, whatever, and other 20 million people, they have a deep film historical knowledge. It's not that only because you write for the San Francisco Chronicle that you watch more films or know more about films as me or other 10,000 people. You maybe watched not even half of the films I watched. You maybe didn't dig half in deep like how I dig in film history and reading books and hundreds and hundreds of books about it. I wrote my doctor degree about the history of TV series, right? So, and definitely when you wrote your review in the whatever newspaper it is, you definitely have not even 10% of the clue how to actually make a film as me. So, yeah. and that's the thing. And that, that is the deep disrespect they have for Uwe Ball. Or when they're writing an article and then they say, 
Uva Ball finally has made a good film. Can you believe it? It's like they have to. Why can't they just say he made a good film? Why do they have to have the backhanded insult in there too? Yeah, or they should ask themselves, okay, what film from Uva Ball I watch? You know, should I, should I not like write it a little different if from 33 films that guy made, I watched three? Yeah. You know, should you not say, okay, you know what? I, as a journalist, didn't watch enough ball films to give it a completely uh, voting to, like a vetting, right? So, and that is the thing. It's like, let's say you have a Ridley Scott and you just, just watched Gladiator and Aliens or whatever. Right. So, and, and, uh, you know, what, what, what would you say? Then you would say Ridley Scott is one of the best directors ever lived, you know, and he is maybe actually one of the best directors ever lived, but you still should see the overall body of work of a Ridley Scott. Yes. You know, and that is what I mean. It's like, uh, you cannot, but, but I'm one of the few directors who definitely get judged from everybody without knowledge about me or my background or my films. Yeah, well, they only see the commercial product. The video yeah. games are the most commercial product, and then to them, that's all that exists. If you yeah, ask that, me, okay, that, says, yeah. that says that says more also, about them than it does about anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And also when they say they were totally commercial failures, okay, but if House of the Dead with uh, 11 million box office in the U.S., uh, and 28 million DVD sales uh, was a commercial failure, then 95% of the films who are getting released now are completely uh, failures. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at how many films with Tom Hanks and big, big stars making $2 million box office now, $3 million box office, $4 million box office, tons, hundreds of that films produced for 50 million, for 80 million, for 100 million, hundreds of that films make no box office whatsoever. And also don't, don't sell DVDs anymore because they're getting straight to a streamer. So, uh, sorry, but a lot of my films, at, at even Alone in the Dark, Bloodrain, whatever, they were worldwide, absolutely DVD and video rental and video sales hits, like top hits. Oh, yeah. You know, in the name of the king, whatever, sold in US over a million DVDs. For like 20 bucks a piece, right? And then they, they sold, of course, uh, uh, they had rental income and then they had streaming income and then they have TV income on cable and free TV and everything. And I mean, you, you, you have to see, you cannot just see a box office, right? And the, the Alone in the Dark, whatever, five, six million box office in US, worldwide, maybe 10, 15 million box office. Yeah, you can say that was a flop. Yeah, was it maybe also, but it was also only twenty million to shoot the film. And, and I'm sure that like, everybody's seen it since then, so it has made its money back by now. Yes, over time, hundred percent, along with the TV sales, right? So, but that is the thing. It's like they're so full of shit, and then they don't see that other films, Cloud Atlas or whatever, they cost hundred million and made five million. Yeah. Tons of this kind of, of films made nothing, but they were always way more expensive as my films. You know, so, and that is the thing also what, what I think, uh, what I would love, of course, is that film historians, real film historians, or people that really dig deep into what's going on, at one point, judge me fair. 
So in order that they see, okay, you know what, Ball was far away of being the worst director ever, point one, and also far away of being a failure in a financial failure. I bet you that's only going to happen when you're dead and they make the biopic about you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and they say like, oh yeah, we were actually dead. Well, well it doesn't matter. So, no, <laughs> he's dead, good that he's dead. So, uh, no, but it's, it's, it's so absurd, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like, um, yeah, of course, frustrating because I have to fight this kind of reviews now in my attempt to get an agent to get partners for my uh, TV show, the werewolves walk show I want to do, you know, like stuff like this, everything gets harder. Yeah. You know, everything is harder for me because then they Google it and what they find are this kind of articles and then they just believe the articles and never dig in. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, it would be nice if we could finally move on from stuff that was like 15 years, 20 years ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not so easy. No? So, no, yeah. But I think the New York film I'm doing now will do a very good positive uh, turnaround on stuff. It's a very big actor film and uh, it's a different kind of approach, a different kind of film I did. Uh, so I'm. Um, I see it positive, you know, how things will turn out. Good. Yeah. And on that note, should we wrap up the show for today? Yeah. So if you want, 100%, have a good Sunday, and then we talk uh, soon for the next episode. Yes, guys, follow us on Twitter, UvaBall7. I'm Gary Otto Zero, and we will see you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.